Hey everyone, I believe that gratitude has been such an instrumental part of making my own recovery and life better that I want to create something called the Gratitude Zone. And what this is, is I would love for you, the listener, to send me a two to three minute audio clip letting me know who you are, what it is you do, what you're grateful for, and why. And then we're going to be posting it on future episodes of The Road Beyond Recovery. Feel free to send that to Tamar at theroadforward.ca and there will be more information in the show notes. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey everyone, Tamar here from the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so grateful you're here. And speaking of gratitude, I have decided to start this thing called the Gratitude Zone. And so what that entails, like you heard from the intro, is send me a two to three minute audio clip letting me know who you are, what you do, what you're grateful for, and why. So similar to what I'm about to do and what I've been doing in the last few episodes. And at the end, if you have a podcast, if you have a book, social media handles, you can share those so we know where to follow you. But I thought, wouldn't it be really cool instead of me just doing this, that you could also contribute to this gratitude. And that's why I created the Gratitude Zone because I'm going to put together some mini episodes of just pure gratitude. So if you're having a crap day, memorize what episodes, write them down and just listen to them. Listen to what people are grateful for and why. And One of the things could be you're grateful you were able to go through a challenging time because I know for myself before I had gotten sober, if I was going through a challenging time, I would just pick up a bottle, right? I would just numb those feelings out. And so I didn't know how to go through these challenging times. So often I'm grateful for having the ability, the tools and the support network to get me through those challenging times. So that could be something. If you're having a bad day, you could be grateful just because you got out of bed and got dressed in the morning, right? That's a win. So whatever it is you're grateful for, I want you to send it to me. You can send it at tamar at theroadforward.ca and I look forward to adding you onto one of the next shows. So what I'm grateful for today is the ability to get through the hard times in a relationship. You know, I had shared a little bit about going through a traumatic experience over this last little while. I moved out on my own. This is the first time I've ever lived by myself. I'm 45 years old, but this transition was very challenging for my spouse and I. And so we went through a tough time and To be honest, I'm grateful that we went through that tough time because sometimes we have to go through these challenging times for things to get better. You know, I I relate it to back to when I got sober. I mean, things got really bad before they got better, right? I, I had to know that things had to change in order for me to take action. 
And I think what also came out of this is we get this opportunity to learn more about ourselves, how we show up in our relationships, how we communicate. You know, I try to be as honest and authentic as possible when I'm communicating. I like to communicate. Um, You know, I used to be one of those people who would be passive aggressive. I would lie by omission or I wouldn't, I'd give you the silent treatment. And I got to be honest today. I'm not about that stuff. You know, sure, I make mistakes, but I believe in, you know, always talking about things, talking things through, even if you mess up. So I think that this is really learned. Um, you know, I've learned a lot about myself, you know, and how I actually show up and have showed up in my relationships now and in the past, right? Um, I learned that oftentimes I have one foot out the door, you know, not mean that I'm unfaithful or want to leave the person, but I I can't remember a time where I haven't thought, you know, about myself and what I want and what I only want for my future and not this combined future. And so that was a really, really good opportunity to learn some more and to practice differently of how I show up and, you know, learning how to better communicate I love that, right? I'm always down with learning how to communicate better because it's not something that I was very good at at what point. So yes, I'm super incredibly grateful that by going through these challenging times, we learn more about ourselves. Our relationships can actually be stronger. And I think sometimes we just have to peel all those layers back and it has to fall apart before it can get better. So that's what I'm grateful for today. On today's show, we chat with Dino Miliotis, and it's it's really cool because typically you hear that people start with addiction, right? They are young, they fall into it, they've had a traumatic upbringing, whatever it is that led them to that. And then typically it's their experience that has completely led them to their purpose and what they do today. And Dino's story is very different. He found success. He had a very, very good upbringing, um, strong work ethic, and found success very young. Always knew he would be successful, but that actually led him into his addiction. So we talk about that. We talk about his, his journey into recovery, how he landed in treatment. And we also talk about his book and how his experience and going through that has impacted his life today and how he does things differently. And now he's on this new mission, doing amazing things. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everybody. I am hanging out with my friend, Dino Miliotis. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. So grateful that you're on your show. Get to share your story, talk about your book. And I just want to also wish you a very happy birthday. I know we did it before, but the day we're recording this, it is your birthday. So happy birthday. Thank you very much. I feel <laughs> older and wiser today. <laughs> That's right. I know I say the wise thing too, because we do learn from everything that we go through. So for my audience members that don't know you, why don't you just give us a quick introduction about yourself and what you do today? Um, sure. Well, Dino Miliotis, um, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I guess I'm an author now too. Um, I'm a uh, recovering alcoholic. Um, and, um, I am clean and sober for over a year and just kind of relearning just a whole new world. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think as an entrepreneur, it's so important that we have that foundation, you know, when we get clean and sober, 
um, because there's so many aspects we can bring into that journey. But before we go there, um, you know, I always like to share about what life was like growing up, because like we talked about before the interview, I think there's this perception of how life needs to be in order to become an alcoholic and an addict. And it's different for everybody, right? We all have different journeys. So what was life like growing up for you? And what led to that moment where you, you know, you kind of fell in love with the drink? Yeah, I, you know, that's a, a really good point. I, again, you know, uh, rehab was the, it was the first and last time I went. It's very, very new. It was very scary. And growing up, I mean, I never, you know, you always think those people, right? Oh, alcoholic, you know, I mean, you kind of frown on it. There's a label. I mean, there's always going to be a label and that's okay. But back then you don't expect it to happen to you. I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, my family wasn't wealthy, but, you know, very, very big on education. My dad was a Greek school teacher at a private school for over 30 years. Um, growing up, I had him as, a, as, as my teacher for three of the eight years in private Greek school. So, I mean, anything that happened, you know, chewing gum or talking out of turn or whatever, I got the brunt of it because I had to be made the example of. But, um, you know, the Greek culture is an example. I mean, there there is drinking with celebration, but I honestly can't remember anybody in my family that was labeled an alcoholic, you know? So when people say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's genetic. I, I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm not sure about that unless somebody was really great at keeping a secret, but um, you know, growing up was just um, kind of strange for me because from the age of seven, um, you know, I was told by my father that I was going to be a millionaire. Oh, you're going to be a millionaire when you grow up. I don't know how he sees this, but you know what? At age seven, he would say it convincingly, and I, I believed it. And so I was always, um, you know, um, uh, charismatic and, you know, relatable. And, you know, pe people used to uh, follow me around. I mean, I had a creative side that was just crazy. Um, you know, I, 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 would, I would watch shows like The Brady Bunch and The Partridge Family and and, uh, and then I'd write the skits and then when everybody else was out there playing, you know, whatever, riding bikes, I would create these skits for my friends. I'm like, you're going to be Jan, you're going to be Marsha and here's your part and you read it. And we, we would go to a, a dime store and we would buy these cheap props and uh, we'd use them. And of course we didn't have a video, but we had this huge um, uh, uh, cassette player that we would carry around. I think it had like 12 batteries in the, in the thing. And, uh, you know, we would record these things. And, and to me, that was fun. It was an escape. But um, I, I, I always knew that there are no limits to, to what I could do. Um, you know, everybody wanted, you know, the, the money's in being a doctor. Okay, I'm going to be a doctor. So I researched what doctors made the most money. This is age seven. Um, and then I'd say, well, this one doesn't make enough, so I'm going to be a psychiatrist, you know? It was just something. But that's where the drive started um, in, in, and also the belief that I can be and do anything. My, my thing growing up that I remember very clearly, and I mean, the best way to describe it is, uh, you know, I love to ride the lightning. 
okay? It's that thrill, that drive, that just like whatever you do, you can accomplish. And then you just look back and you're just so proud, you know? And I, I would always tell people, you know, when I dream, I dreamt so vividly, I could taste it, you know? Um, so your dreams, you know, I found, you know, do come true. Um, alcohol wasn't part of this early journey, but, you know, it, when, when I was in my early 30s, I invented a product called Bug Band. And it was just an idea. It was just a concept, like a, what if we did this? You know, and, and next thing you know, there's this insect repelling fragrance, natural fragrance that's on a plastic band. People wore it. It was kind of a novelty thing, but it took off. Next thing you know, I'm in People Magazine. Um, I'm, I'm sitting with Oprah. Uh, Sally Jesse Raphael had a show at the time. I, you know, I, I was everywhere. And, you know, I mean, it was really kind of cool to, you know, go put gas in your car and say, hey, I just saw you on TV. You know, th this is just all foreign stuff to me. And I was just like, wow. So you kind of get overwhelmed with success, so to speak. Um, but I will say I expected to be successful. I just wasn't, um, uh, nobody, nobody ever trained me for, for, for the, the fame and the groupies and all, you know, all that stuff that comes with the territory. It's kind of hard for you to handle, um, but I handled it pretty well until, um, uh, you know, the publicity stopped coming in and orders started slowing down. And I had some problems with my distributors because I knew nothing about distributing. They wanted territories and they wanted exclusive rights and infringement meant lawsuits. I'm like, what's a lawsuit? You know, but it was overwhelming for me. And it, I kind of felt like a failure and I kind of started... Um, seeking comfort in alcohol, right? And, you know, I mean, I would take a few sips and I noticed I'd feel calmer and better and stuff. But then that's the problem is when you start believing that you're better with alcohol than sober because, well, if it wasn't for alcohol, you know, it calms me down. I would have been a mess. I would have been a basket case. So it's false, what I call false reinforcement, Right. And um, drinking never left me until 2020. Um, it was always part of my life. Uh, cocaine was always a part of my life. But, you know, I didn't overly in, indulge in it. I mean, there were times when it was really, really bad. You're talking about a guy who's had three marriages. You know, what's wrong with them? <laughs> right? <laughs> but... Uh, you know, you, you don't see it at the time, you know, but but one of the worst things for somebody who rides the lightning and who's a bona fide entrepreneur like I am, right? Everything I would do, and this is not, you know, bragging or tooting my own horn, but everything that I would do became successful. And, you know, there's there's stages of success, uh, millions uh, or hundred thousands or, or, or recognition, whatever you want to put on success. But, you know, while I was doing a lot of it, I was drinking and I was abusing. And so I'm thinking, wow, this stuff has made me successful, you know? So, so again, you look at it falsely, never realizing that maybe I have just such a creative mind or I was brought up believing and thinking that I could be anything I want to be and that I had no limits. 
that I naturally had these endorphins and I loved the, the thrill of the chase, the hunt, so to speak. I never saw that as my gift. I looked at it like, oh, if it wasn't for alcohol, man, you know, I would have been a dud. So those are really, really uh, important things I want to discuss because when you finally decide to get sober, um, you're scared. And I'm not really a guy who's like afraid. Um, I've, I've never been afraid in my life, but alcohol kicked my butt. Um, and, and I wasn't afraid really to go into rehab. I was afraid about what I was going to be like coming out of rehab because nobody teaches you that, you know? And, and so, you know, I found myself going to rehab. I wanted to do it for me. I didn't want to do it for anybody else. I, in fact, probably one of the greatest moments I remember is when they took my phone away. And I was like, no, 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 you don't, don't take my phone. But you know what? I didn't want it back. I, I, I'm like, are you sure? Well, you get your phone. You've been here three weeks already. So, you know, after three weeks, you, you get your phone and you could use it between this time and this time. I'm like, but what, what if I don't want to? I mean, I didn't want to turn it on. I didn't want to read all the texts of all the past because for me, it was like one of the first times that I was comfortable, you know, just with me, you, you know what I mean? I mean, to, to kind of explain it, I've been doing things in business and delving into things just like, like a true entrepreneur does for over 30 years. And so I compare it to being a rock star um, on tour for 30 plus years and then all of a sudden you go into rehab and your world just kind of like stops and you're like okay now rehab was fun to me it was kind of like um it was kind of like a summer camp where you you know where you go with friends it, it really was i i embraced it i left my ego at the door i left my attitude at the door one thing i didn't do uh, is uh, tell people, well, let me tell you who I am and, you know, how much money I made. Nobody knew what I did. I just said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm retired. I did some business stuff and, you know, pretty much left it at that. But they didn't know about the money. They didn't know about, you know, all, all the fame and, and all that. I wanted to be a regular guy. I'm like, if this is going to work, I have to be just like everybody else and I don't want any favoritism and I don't want any, you know, bending the rules or anything like that. And so what I quickly noticed, though, is though, e even though nobody knew who I was, they started following me. You know, I, I, I knew that I had to replace a bad habit like drinking or substance abuse. I had to break it with uh, good habits. And there were two great things in rehab. The first one was um, uh, a full gym. And uh, I man, I just rushed to that like really, really quickly. And so I wound up having that, you know, it didn't take a long, I had 20 people follow me every day, five o'clock in the morning, they get up, Hey, what are, what are we going to do today? Can you show me this workout? Can you, you know? And I was like, okay, this is weird. I'm sober. They don't know who I am, but they're still coming to me, you know, and it, it felt good. I, I don't know how else to say it. The second thing that I knew I had to blow off steam, I, I've been in, you know, my family's been in music. Uh, I've, I've had music in my life, almost all of my life. 
And I started playing Tupperware as drums when I was five. So it stayed with me. So you're talking about experience with drums, one form or another, for 50 years. They had a music studio there, like guitars and amps and drums and everything. And you had to be in a detox for, I think, three days and get cleared, three to five days. Um, and then they would give you these uh, pills for withdrawal. And as long as you're on those pills, they wouldn't let you, you know, do, do the weights or do the studio. So I stopped them. I'm just like, I, I have to play, you know? And, and um, I was stronger than I thought because I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna have withdrawals and oh my God, you know? But it, it, it was, I was just so determined just to, just to turn the page, you know? So I remember running to the studio and there was a full drum set there and I started playing and and then next thing you know, some guy knows how to play guitar. So he joined in, some guy knew how to play bass, joined in. So, you know, we kind of had like the uh, uh, Folsom prison uh, band, or, you know, where we play every single day between groups. So those things were cool. Um, and, and, and that's what got me through it. That's, that's what got me sober, okay? Uh, when I got out, my mind was bubbling, racing with ideas. You know, wow, imagine all the things that I could do sober. I mean, if I've done all these wonderful things in business not sober, imagine, you know, what the world's going to be like now. And I couldn't wait to get out. Um, but when I did, I was reminded that we were still in a world of COVID. You know, the pandemic was there and lockdown. I left all my friends. I, I didn't bring them with me. A lot of people aren't lucky like that. I mean, they have to go back to work. They have to go into a certain social setting. I left all that behind. Um, and so when I was home during lockdown, I was alone. I had no wife. I had no family. I had no friends. I had no former business associates, nothing. It was just completely me sober. And so I did the best I could, you know, working out every day. Um, what do you do? You get lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, you watch binge which they had on TV. Mine was law and order. I should have a law degree because I watched so much 456 episodes, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but you know, I mean, the, the, the isolation kind of gets to you. And so I was like, man, I really, I need to take a drink. You know, I really want to, I was craving it. I was craving it to the point where I actually put on my pandemic gear and got in my car on the, one of the few liquor stores that were open during the pandemic, bought a bottle of vodka, brought it back to the house. And I remember looking at that bottle and just wanting to open it. And I was crying. I'm just like, please can, you know, please just, just show me what I'm supposed to do because I didn't have purpose. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, that's busy all the time and then to have nothing to do is just works on you. And I, I didn't have a drink, but about five minutes later, I get a text from this kid that I had met three years prior. He worked at a car wash and that's when I would take my fleet of cars um, to, to get washed every once in a while. And, 
you know, again, you attract all this attention. He was one of them that ran to me with a pen and paper. He's like, so tell me, uh, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions on how you were successful? And uh, I'm thinking of opening up a business. And what do you think about this, this, and this? And I would just rattle off things, you know. It's probably drunk, but, you know, sound advice anyway. Well, this kid, three years later, right, he's texting me. Hi, I don't know if you're in, if you're around or if you're in town, but you know, I, I still think about the advice that you've given me and it's really helped me. And I would consider it an honor if you would come with me for lunch, you know, maybe we could sit outside because of COVID or whatever. When I read that, it just like just hit me. I'm just like, here I am feeling sorry for myself, right? I've done more things than most people would ever do. And, you know, I was down for the count um, and, and it, you know, with my alcoholism, I come out clean and sober and I'm still crying and, you know, oh, my God, what am I going to do with my life? Here's a guy that I touched, just like I don't know how many others like him throughout my career. And I don't know what to do. It was all so clear. I got to write a book. And as, as soon as that happened in my head. I've never had the urge to drink ever. Uh, and it comes down to having purpose. You know, you know, I was, I've never written before. I've never read a self-help book before. So that was a challenge. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to call myself a good author, but what I am is I'm a good storyteller about my experiences, which obviously people are very interested in. And there's some crazy ones, but I had to pick the best of, I don't know how many, to at least create a book that I figured could spread hope, a message of hope to others, especially during COVID. There's probably a lot of people discouraged during COVID. And I keep thinking about the addicts during the lockdown. Where do you go there? Because cold turkey for me um, wouldn't have happened. I mean, I, I became so addicted to 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 alcohol that I had literally had to have a sip or two of vodka every hour, 24 hours a day. Or or I would get these shakes. I'm just I was terrified, and I could not stop. I, I mean, I, I would get physically ill if I did it myself. So, you know, I'm not the only person who was suffering, and I had to do something about it. So this book is my reintroduction back to the world and um, sending a message of hope um, that if I could do it, anybody can do it. Absolutely. And, you know, you said so many things in there where, you know, one of them is my mission is to really help people discover their purpose, right? And you talked about purpose. I think a lot of us, when we get into that state of isolation, and we start, you know, kind of feeling sorry for ourselves. It's a dangerous point to be in. And I think my recovery really shifted when I discovered my purpose, when I realized I was on this planet for a reason. I had this mm -hmm. gift and I need to use this gift to help other people and inspire other people. Because I used to look at my story as like, well, I'm not that special, right? I wasn't homeless. I wasn't drinking vodka out of a brown paper bag. Although, you know, I probably had at one point, but I wasn't, you know, living homeless doing that, which a lot of people think is the stereotypical alcoholic, right? I had right. a marriage. 
I had a home like on the outside, you would think, wow, she's got it together other than, you know, obviously when I went out drinking and, and you know, things happened, it wasn't pretty. But yeah. I think that we all have such potential and that's why I want to help spread this hope, right? Like you're doing with your book, like you're doing with the people that you've touched in your life. But, you know, when did you really like you talk a little bit about, you know, um, getting that text and not drinking because that is a dangerous place to be. Right. And when we get out of our head and we realize, oh, wow, I've actually helped somebody. I'm going to go talk to that person, right. you know, for you discovering your purpose. Right. What does that look like for you today? And do you think that that is the primary reason why you don't want to go out and drink anymore? Um, wow, well, that's a really good question. Um, okay, so rediscovering my purpose. I, you know, I've, I've only been sober for a little over a year. Okay, so I will, will envy the person who's 10 years sober, 20 years sober, there's something to be learned from that, I, always. Um, but just like everything else I've done in my life, when they talked about, you know, in rehab about sobriety, maintaining sobriety, there was that triangle and one of the parts of the triangle said service, right? And they're all like, you know, the minute you get out of rehab, you got to find an AA place. There's always one open, even during the pandemic and whatever. And I'm not knocking anybody else's uh, road to recovery, okay? Um, and, and it certainly is effective. AA has you know, millions of people. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, you know, and, and this was probably like strike one in my head, but as soon as I got out, it's just like, well, you know, I'm going to go and sit in meetings. I mean, I, I wanted to do more, right? And if you just think about it like an entrepreneur, how do you exponentially touch other people? And by the way, while touching other people, people don't realize that they're helping me tenfold. It's the weirdest thing. I call it synergy. There's probably other words for it, but it's that interaction. It's that fueling of the mind that when, when I'm finished talking to somebody, I feel probably better than they do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they don't realize that. So when I discovered my purpose, I was excited to write the book. I, I wrote it in seven months. I didn't know how to write. I didn't know what style to do, but I just decided to kind of take a movie format where I'd be the narrator and make you make the reader feel like, like I'm reading alongside with you. And um, as horrible as some experiences are in our life, you know, I kind of shed light on it and, you know, I'm, it's 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 funny it wasn't funny then but a lot of the things that happened were funny but you know th throughout writing the book um because of that purpose i never thought about drinking but it comes more than that i'm not going to write a book 24 7 but I'm, I'm i'm noticing that after i wrote the book there's a lot of people who enjoyed it and i've reached out to them and started talking to them um, I'm trying to get my book to become a movie, which I think would be the coolest thing in the world. I mean, this is just a whole new world for me, right? And, um, you know, being able to talk to several people every day for me is huge. Um, I know that this is going to lead to a lot of other things, but 
you know, where everybody has a choice, I'm choosing to devote the rest of my life to touching people. How that is, through what medium, I'm not sure yet. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, well, here's what I'm going to do. I, I think it's just going to unfold. But the main thing is, is that now that I have finally embraced my gift, like you called it, um, what a shame it would be for me to throw it away and not be sober, right? I mean, how many chances does one get? I think I've used all mine up, right? Um, and, and, and you have to do something positive. But, but what keeps me sober is fueling other people's minds. When you, when, when you, when you tell them something and they'll, they'll look at you and they'll say, you know, I never thought of that. That's a good idea. Hey, man, you want another idea? Here, take it. I got a million coming through my head every second. Take it. And if that's going to keep you sober or if that's going to inspire you, um, by all means. And you have no idea how much you're helping me. You know what I mean? So that's kind of my purpose for now, and it'll unfold. I'm, I'm, I'm still new to this, but uh, since the day I decided to write the book and um, spread the message of hope, I've never thought about having a drink. And I, I mean that sincerely, not not one second. I think that's amazing. And yeah, I've gotten to a point in my recovery where it's the same, right? I've been doing this for just over nine years now and it keeps getting better and better. And you learn so much. I mean, I'm finally, you know, after nine years in recovery, learning how to properly be in a relationship. And I've been in this relationship for seven years with someone else in recovery. So wow. we continue to learn things as we go. But you know, you had talked about entrepreneurship, and this is actually a topic that I started reading about the science of addiction. And in one of the books I read, it says that humans can become addicted to anything that gives them pleasure. And yes. I really, you know, love to talk to people, especially people who are in recovery about imagine, you know, all the things you did when you were out there to get loaded, right? I mean, we're resilient, we're persistent, we're resourceful, like, we would have never said, you know, um, no, or accepted no for an answer, right? We will do what it takes right. to get what we need. Now, harnessing that type of energy, right, in becoming an entrepreneur, that's why I knew, okay, I do have the ability to do whatever it is I want to do, because if right. I just harness that energy back there. Now, I also got addicted to entrepreneurship. When I first started, I had, a, it was my side hustle. I had a full-time job. I was getting up at three every day, going to bed at, you know, stopping at eight. And I started to get burnt out. Yeah. So do you have any advice being an entrepreneur, both now, you know, uh, in your addiction and outside of your addiction, how do you manage those kind of things? Because I think we can get completely, I mean, it's a better thing to become addicted to, but it, it can is. be dangerous. Well, it is dangerous. And, you know, it's kind of funny what you were describing is kind of like opposite me. Like I, I was, you know, basically literally born when I use ride the lightning. That's kind of like that, that adrenaline rush, right? We crave it. That's not a bad thing, but it's a dangerous side that you're on because those people, I believe, are more prone to addiction, right? Any kind of addiction, the feel-good thing. So put it, putting it in perspective, you know, I, I've been able to pretty much do anything that I've dealt, uh, set my mind to business-wise. 
Um, but I'm, I'm a very quick guy to understand patterns. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I would talk to colleagues or associates or clients, you learn their patterns when they text you back, when they return your call, when they, the final call. And you start understanding this person wakes up at this time. He goes to bed at this time. He breaks at this time. You know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of stalkerish. Okay. But what it does for me is it tells me when my busiest time should be. And I knew um, be, because, yeah, you could get burned out really quickly is that you you have to be the most effective person with your time. Um, again, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that I was work 24 seven too. you know, vacations to me was another place to use the telephone. And you can ask any of my ex-wives, they'll attest to that. But um, I guess the more experience you get and the more things that, you know, I've, I've accomplished, you come to realize that there are things just as important as being a great entrepreneur and the world will still be there when you, you know, after you take a break or, you know, whatever. Um, you have to be responsible uh, with me, my my. One, one of the key things that attracted people to want to work with me always in businesses was that I was like a solid rock. I was reliable. You can always reach me at X amount of time, you know, that kind of stuff. That never goes away. That said, you know, it's okay to tell somebody, hey, after five, you know, unless it's an emergency, and let me clarify what an emergency is, you know, maybe your hair is on fire or something, you know, do not call me. You know, you, you, you have to train uh, and, and put boundaries is probably a better word uh, on what you want to do because mental health is really important. And I'm starting to find that out more and more. Um, you know, it, you, you, you have to have an outlet for yourself. Um, it's difficult for me, not difficult, but kind of the challenge um, to understand that I'm not boring anymore because <laughs> that's the big thing with sober people. You know, it's like, okay, I'm clean and sober, but I'm probably really boring at parties. Um, when I was in the hospital, a nurse came to me and she just said, by the way, I just want to congratulate you um, on, you know, taking the step at being sober. And I'm like, huh? Oh, thank you. Know, I didn't expect that. And she says, don't worry, it gets better. I've been sober for 20 years. It took me 10 years in my sobriety to figure out that, you know, there are fun things for sober people. It's a, it's a world, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, as soon as you get out, you're thinking, well, what should I do? Well, let's go meet a friend. Where do you meet a friend? At a bar. What do we do at a bar? We drink. Well, let's go grab a bite to eat. What do you do when you grab a bite to eat? You have a drink. Uh, you know, it's different. Um, but I appreciate uh, the mental health. The, 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 I segment my time now better. And I think you probably, are, yeah, you're shaking. Okay, so it's the same. <laughs> because you can't do anything 24-7. You're going to burn out, and it's a very, very dangerous world. I mean, um, I'd love to be able to say that, oh, you know, I was an alcoholic, and uh, now I'm responsible, so I'm sure I could take a drink. I can't. 
it's like kryptonite for me. You know, all it takes is just one sip. And I don't know if it's just some kind of missing gene or whatever that we have uh, as addicts, but um, we're not good with alcohol. Uh, and, 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 you know, and in saying that, I do want to say that between these binge episodes of Law and Order that I was watching, what did they show for commercials? Beer commercials, especially the Corona beer, where, you know, they show that hammock and they have the, the two palm trees. <laughs> And they're like celebrating retirement with a beer in your hand. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, great. You know, I mean, and, and you don't realize how, 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 how the marketing is. It's like all about having a drink. Drink equals relaxing. Relaxing equals success equals retirement. You know, all that stuff, throw it away. I think that I'm probably going to work constructively um, the rest of my life, um, you know, until the day I die. Uh, this is something that for me has purpose. It has meaning. And, you know, it's not a, maybe a billion dollar idea or venture that I'm taking, or maybe it is, I don't know yet, but regardless whether it is or isn't, it, it certainly is rewarding for me um, much more than just dollars. And so realizing that um, I make it a point to, to, you know, give my 100% attention to what I'm doing at any given time and not have my mind somewhere else on something else. That's the only way that you can kind of structure yourself mm -hmm. so that you have time for yourself. Cause I think that's important too. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. And it's um, you know, that's something that I've had to do in my journey. I had to reel it back in, especially after I wrote a couple books, not thinking that I could, um, and I've learned a lot over the last year, but, you know, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, society, right? It's just, it is so normal to go out and drink, right? It's just, it's so accepted. But, you know, if you think about it, alcohol is the only drug that we have to justify not taking, which when I heard that for the first time, I was like, wow, you know, because, I mean, we can go to a restaurant, right? And if we watch people eating, we don't even think twice at watching them, you know, wolf down a burger and fries and appetizers like that's just kind of the norm. But right. then when we watch somebody drinking and we see five, six, seven beers, then all of a sudden we start to get really judgmental about that, right? Well, food is just as addictive for me as yeah. drugs and alcohol are. And it's so accepted by society but the more that i'm learning the more i'm starting to you know um be in this like embrace recovery because i really do i started to learn that a lot of my really close friends my good friends for them they went to a restaurant and they didn't even have to order an alcoholic beverage right and if they do yeah. they drink half a glass of wine and i, wa I watch them and it still baffles me today i'm like are, are you not gonna drink that other like why would you waste that and it's <laughs> Right, we right. <laughs> but we as a culture right it's we've made it so normal so i'm really grateful that more people are speaking up about being sober because i think it is being alcohol free is more acceptable today than ever i think because of what what is going on especially after COVID and mental health you know but for you i believe that my routines the things that i do daily my prayer my meditation that has helped me keep that foundation right because you do need to stay grounded um what has your routine been like now that you're sober my routine is um 
one of the big things that I will, it's, it's part of me now, like breathing is going to the gym and working out. And it doesn't have to be like this huge rigorous workout anymore, but, um, you know, 20 to 40 minutes a day, it's, it's, it's somewhere that I can go that's away from the house. It's somewhere where I can interact with real people. Um, it's something that I could do for my body that kind of makes me feel fulfilled. And that's really an important part of my day. Um, prayer is always going to be with me. And, you know, I'm, I, thank you for bringing that up. A lot of people don't talk about this, but, you know, right behind me, that's called um, Stairway to Paradise by Thomas Kincaid. And it's a picture that moved me. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you something, why, why this is always in my head every day. When you're about to take a drink and you've already gone through rehab and you feel all kinds of misery and depression and you don't know what to do and you have no purpose, and then you say a prayer, show me what I should do with my life. Show me how I should move forward. And five minutes later, I get a text from a kid. That's a sign. Now, I don't know what anybody else wants to call it. I know that everybody looks at signs when they drive, stop, yield, whatever. Guess what? This is a sign. And that is always, always going to be first and foremost in my life is just, you know, I, prayers do get answered. Uh, you may not realize it, but they do. And so that keeps me going. I just think it would be, you know, such a waste of, and it's not me, so I'm not trying to be grandiose, but what a waste of a mind, what a waste of a gift that God gave you if you can't use it for his purpose. And for me, I guess it has to be being able to touch other people. Now, am I better than them? Am I foremost authority on things? I don't think so. But maybe it's just how I make people feel. Or maybe I was the guy who just decided to jump when other people are just putting their toe in the water. You know what I mean? Maybe, uh, well, I know I'm the guy who buys a car and does not read the car manual. I just drive the car. But believe it or not, there's a lot of people that buy the car and read the manual cover to cover before they turn the ignition on. I'm not one of those guys. No. It doesn't make them any better or worse. But sometimes people need a nudge. Everybody needs a guide, right? I need a guide. You need a guide. And think of the millions and millions of people that need guidance, that have steered away from, uh, we were saying before the show, the core values. Values like, you know, I'll, I'll say it from our parents, whether you loved them or you feared them, whether there was a mild sense of respect or a tremendous amount of respect, you knew right from wrong, right? The problems start when you don't know right from wrong, when there's no guidance, when you're just completely off the rails. I think alcohol is just a horrible drug because it's a silent deceiver. It just comes into your life and it just kind of slowly consumes you it's worse than a lot of drugs out there. I think every drug, I mean, now they've legalized marijuana. It's not for me. It's just anything that just kind of clouds my mind now, I, I'll avoid with a passion. 
but there's just so much in us that we haven't even tapped into. And if, if people like you and I can help others um, the same way, what a wonderful world, you know? Absolutely. And, and for me, it's the same, right? Anything mind altering. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, when I first came into recovery, I'm like, I'm not like you people, you know, like I didn't go to prison. I didn't, I didn't even go to rehab. I was fortunate actually to meet a personal trainer because I thought that weight wow. was my problem, right? I was 215 pounds. And I thought if I could only fix the way I look on the outside, maybe it would heal the pain I felt on the inside because I was incredibly suicidal when I stopped digging my bottom and she was actually in recovery and we started working together. And of course I went excessively into the exercise, like so excessively. Um, but I was, you know, drinking three beers a night, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but I was drinking half a bottle of NyQuil to fall asleep. But oh. the one thing I focused on is when I sent her my food journal, I was like, I only had nine beer this weekend. Right. And, nobody that doesn't have a problem with alcohol has to brag that they only had nine beer, but yeah, for me, yeah. right. Yeah. That was a milestone for me. That was like, that's a win. That's a gold star. Right. But it's funny because that's the one thing when you come into recovery that we all have in common, as soon as we take that alcohol into our mouth and we swallow that it's like liquid gold. It makes us feel like nothing else does. And we can't stop, right? So that's the one thing we have in common. Now, let's get a bit into your book um, because I'd love to hear, you know, we heard what made, you know, what inspired you to write it, but um, let's talk about your book. Okay. So um, the book is basically a story um, of, of my life, different parts of my life. Um, and it's told, you know, I narrated through there, um, almost kind of like a movie. So I start off the book at a high point in my life, which was when I invented this product called Bug Band. And it talks about all the things that just, you know, immediately made me a rising star, just shot up their interviews and so forth. And then it also talks about the backstory, the one year that I was just living basically in a bar drowning out my sorrows with alcohol, dabbling with cocaine. And then I take you back to my childhood where it all started and these incredible things that I just jumped into that, you know, until I started writing the book, you don't even realize it's like, wow, I've done a lot of things, you know, and, you know, putting them down, you know, some special moments in my life uh, was kind of fun. So taking you through, to the next time where I became a uh, successful, I had a, a company worth a billion dollars um, that I walked away from to go into rehab. So, I mean, it, it covers about 35 years. It's interesting. Uh, it's it's an easy read. I'm by no means I'm a, I'm a writer, but I'm a good storyteller. I think it's a great story to tell. Um, it leaves people uh, feeling inspired. It leaves people with hope. Um, it's not just an addiction book. It's, a, it's also a book about business. It's about a, somebody like me who was told I could be anything I wanted to be. I can accomplish anything. And I really had no limits or fear. And so I was able to try things without reading the manual that we were talking about. And I, I wasn't really fond of going to college 
So throughout the early stages, you'll see how I, you know, I'm avoiding going to college with a passion. I make a deal with my dad. Like, let me try this business venture. And if it fails, I promise I'll go back to college. Okay. You know, so that got him off my back. And it's funny because I did this venture. It was successful, but then I closed it. But to avoid going back to college, I started another business just to stay out. Uh, you know, I, I guess the, um, the, you know, I look at education as equaling education. I certainly don't look at education making you more or less successful, right? And I prove it over and over and over and over again. Um, it's kind of funny how I did things throughout my life, um, but it was all learning by doing. I never asked for advice. Uh, I never read a self-help book. I never studied a manual. I just tried things. And it was really kind of interesting because by trying things, you became such an expert at it. And I was so passionate about it. Uh, so I, I, I think it's a, the book is a lot of fun, but it does end with a message. Um, and I'm very proud of it. Yeah. And, you know, writing a book is incredible. So congratulations for doing that. I know. Mm -hmm. When I wrote my first book, I, I, I had to, you know, reach out to my therapist. I'm like, I've completely forgot about some of this stuff. Like some of this is coming back and, oh, wow, we need to chat. But it is a great experience, especially when, you know, we know we have all this potential, right? Yeah. I mean, if people can just embrace that and unlock that untapped potential, it's incredible what you can do. So I've recently really, I mean, I've always focused on gratitude throughout my recovery, but one of the things that I love to do on the show now is to talk about gratitude. And so, cause I think it's an important part of a daily practice, right? It's an, important to stay in that gratitude mindset. So what is one thing that you're grateful for today? And I, cause I know there's many in my life, but what would you say is one thing you're grateful for today and why? I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be alive, to be, quite honest with you, you know, uh, why? Cause I have so much more to tell. I mean, uh, you know, you write that book kind of starting out reflecting on your life, right. And I'm writing about all the things that I've done, but really what I didn't realize is that was all training for what I'm about to do now. And I really believe that. And that's what makes me so grateful is that I'm still here with a huge tool belt of wisdom because I've done everything I've said in my book. And that's just 10% of what I've done. There's just so much more. So I'm never going to run out of material, let's say. Okay. But um, what am I going to do now with it? Right. So I'm used to interacting with the media. I'm used to talking to people who ask me questions. I'm used to walking the walk, talking the talk. All that was just training. Now is the real journey. So from this point on, it's what I consider the undiscovered country. I mean, it's just like everything's new. I'm so grateful to be able to be around to experience that. And I'm, I'm very grateful every day for just not being afraid, if, if, if I can say it that way, mm -hmm. to try things, you know, and, and it's okay to just say this is, my first book. It's okay to say this is my first interview. There's no, I mean, I, I don't have to be something I'm not, but 
I find that um, by being yourself, you're very relatable uh, and people get you, you get them and you just have just such a wonderful interaction there. instead of starting off the conversation. Well, let me tell you about my background. Who cares? You know, what are you now? Right. And so that's where I'm at. And, and, you know, that's what I'm grateful for. I love that. And yeah, I think being authentic about your journey, you know, I've shared my journey very openly over the last few years. And, you know, in March, I finally took the plunge. I quit my corporate job because I thought that's just getting in the way, right? That's creating the burnout. It's not this stuff that's creating the burnout. You're you're operating without a net now, right? I know. I know. And you... Do you know what did it for me, though, is I had a coach friend that actually asked me, when are you going to quit this day job? Right. And I was always, you know, well, I have a good paying job. You know, I'm doing financially well, but I what it wasn't filling my cup anymore. And she said, Tamar, when you quit drinking, did you keep a bottle of vodka in the fridge just in case you wanted to go back? And I was like, it was like a friendly slap in the face. I said, no, you're right. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know that the, the, the bottle of vodka that I bought, that I was tossing and turning whether I should drink it or not, I still have it. Wow. I still have it. Yeah. And, and so uh, my wife was cleaning out the, uh, the kitchen area and I have a pantry, you know, the, the closet there. And she's like, what's this bottle doing here? I'm like, don't, don't, don't throw that out. Because that's a constant reminder to me that I can beat this. Yeah. I can beat this. Yeah. You know what? I don't have to be afraid of it. I know what alcohol does. And I'm not going to act weird if somebody wants to have a drink in front of me. But I'm not going to go looking for it either. But the point is, is you have to face your demons. Uh, and it could be as simple as keeping a full bottle of vodka in your <laughs> cupboard uh, to, to what I loved in business, which is what you did. I just say, you know, that's basically falling back without a net. And trust it, right? Yeah. If if you're this, that, and that, and you're saying you could do this and you could do that, you know the best test? Take the net away and fall backwards. And yeah. you'll be okay. And that's the plunge that I'm talking about. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it's exhilarating, right? It is. It's learning how to have faith that if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. So, yeah. um how can people get a hold of you? How can they find, you know, your book? Um, we're, of course, going to put all the links in the show notes. Perfect. Okay, so I'm going to do my best on this one. So my website, dinomiliotis.com. Um, it has all the information. You can buy the book there. You can also buy it on Amazon if you go directly to them. But what I also encourage is for people to... Um, there's, there's sections where they can ask me questions, either through social or through my site. And I, I would love that. I mean, that's what I do all the time. So it could be something as simple as I'm thinking of opening up a business and here's what it is. I'll give you that free advice. That's okay. Um, you know, and, and, and I'll, chances are I've probably done something similar. So instead of doing a how-to I'm just going to talk about what I've done and maybe you could take away from it anything. But for me, it's almost like a Dear Abby column and I'm looking for that. Oh, that's incredible. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I had a blast and congratulations for no net. I love it. Love it. (laughs) Thank you. 
Well, that wraps up another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. And again, I am so grateful when guests come on the show, share their experience and how their experience has led to them wanting to make an impact on the lives of others. So I hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to send me your two to three minute audio clip. You can be a part of the gratitude zone, you know, who you are, what you do, what you're grateful for and why. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.